and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. It's follow-up Friday, and boy, do we have a good one, a mm-hmm. surprise. Some good stuff here in the beginning, so real uh, excited. Yeah, so um, I don't know. When was this When was this announced, Sir Ezra? I guess it was announced... Uh, well, let's see. Twenty seven. So today, today. That's what I thought. Because, I mean, I, I assumed I would. I would have seen the. Yeah. So today, September twenty seventh. Uh, yeah. At one twenty nine p.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, which will be tomorrow morning, you have seen it. Or if not, well, we'll tell you about it. And that is, Gur on his Nada blog. I'm always. I'm always on Nada blog watch. Always uh, just kind of you know making sure, seeing what's going on. Yeah, Inger's Inger's thoughts, and uh, he left us a huge fire and blood excerpt. Yeah, um, you know, Sir Ezra and I have have kind of talked a little bit about how we were kind of nervous. You know, we were excited for Fire and Blood, but a little nervous for this one because there's already three novellas that take place um, during this time period, and so we're like, I wonder if it's just going to end up being a bunch of recycled material, and that does not seem to be the case. No, not at all. I, I mean, I am, like, stoked. I honestly cannot believe uh, you sent me the tail end of this while I was at work. I had uh, parent-teacher conferences, and mm-hmm. I, I have a parent walk in, and, and they see me just pacing as I'm kind of reading and, like, <laughs> fist-pumping, and, like, and they're like, wow. They're like, what are you all excited about? I'm like, oh, you know, just, you know, New Passage, Fire and Blood, you know. They had no idea what yeah. I was talking about. <laughs> was yeah, like, well, and... Yeah, it's it's awesome. And so what it is is the one the one thing you and I have talked about with Fire and Blood is that the thing we were hoping for the most would be uh stuff about Jaharis, King Jaharis, because there's such a big time gap in there in World of Ice and Fire, and we know he was like the best king Westeros has ever had. And yep. Yep. there's like nothing on there. Right? There's not yeah. there's nothing uh-huh. really in World of Ice and Fire. So it's like he was great. Times were great. There's like a period of peace for like fifty years. And so we right. don't really have any news on that. And so this is um, this expert kind of tells us a lot and tells me a lot about how good Fire and Blood would be. And first of all, there's a um, there's like a big artwork page, and wow, it looks great. It's all black and white, and I think that's the way it's going to be for the whole book. But man, is that a good looking picture? Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes. Uh, and this is of uh, you know K- uh, King Jaharis and Queen Allison. Yeah, so, and it just makes me yeah. really excited to get the the hard book, the hard copy book, which I don't normally go for. But man, after seeing this artwork, I'm like, nope, you know, gotta yeah, got to got yeah, gotta get that. So, um, it's it's a handful of paragraphs. I'd say it's probably gonna be like 14 or so paragraphs, um, and it starts at around 58 AC. <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. and it's about King Jaehaerys and Allison had made their plans to go to Winterfell and to the north. Um, but King Jaehaerys, I guess, gets kind of tied up in some other stuff dealing with the free cities. And so it's more about Queen Allison's um, kind of travels. And it talks about her going to White Harbor and um, meeting with the Manderleys and then going to Winterfell and then going to the Wall with her dragons. Right. Or with her dragon. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Uh, Silverwing, right? Yeah, Isn't that the name of her dragon? Yeah, Silverwing. Silver- and uh, so, yeah, so some of this is just the, uh, the most interesting things here. I just want to pick this apart. The two most interesting things for me. You can find this all on Gers on uh, you know, georgerrmartin.com backslash not a blog. That's where he kind of moved his, his blog to. 
Um, uh, the, the two things that stuck out to me was this whole thing about the Manderleys um, kind of staging mm-hmm. attorney in the Queen's honor and how the Manderleys really kind of befriend her. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, and that is interesting. But I also found it interesting that they, they, they capture a – there's like a captured wildling woman. Yeah. Um, and they have fight in this tournament and is actually doing pretty well. Yeah, it was uh, – They it was um, – she actually at one point summons what her own uh, sworn <coughs> shield. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Quill Dark, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, it was known as like the Wildling and the Scarlet Shadow, the yeah. old spear against sword, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just it's just interesting to me because it's like oh there, there's another time I can think of when a woman may have fought kind of in the tournament. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. potentially right. Lyanna Stark. And so I just thought, well, to me, that was just a connection that immediately kind of jumped out to me. Like, oh, OK. Um, and then, you know, just just some things here where they, where she's meeting like the um, uh, who is who is the Stark? What is the Starks? Uh, Alric Stark. Is that his name? I think I say say it. Yeah. Yeah. Alaric Alaric think, Stark. Yeah. Yeah. This is the north and winter is coming. We cannot feed a thousand men for long. And just talking about, um, you know, because the Starks don't really travel south that often or people from the north too and i just think that that's yeah that's kind of interesting yeah it is and 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 uh he's cold i mean his demeanor is uh he i don't know he's just uh like the sense of humor is different he's you know when catlin talks about how different the northmen are Mm -hmm. uh this guy really like exemplifies that yeah so i think it was kind of even a shock for queen allison to kind of show up there and and meet him, and even it says that Lord Manderley, you know, was uh, although he's uh, sworn to him, and they have a lot of respect for him, he still was kind of like, yeah, the, what they say about him is true. You know, he's right. kind of a, uh, you know, a cold, uh, rough around the edges type of guy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. re- just yeah. just interesting the way that they're and they like like the reception was different, right? So as you said, like House mm-hmm. Manderley, like had everybody out there you, you you couldn't believe how many people were you know in white harbor and then you get to winterfell and it's just like him and his son come strolling mm-hmm. out you know or something yeah. that that's it you know like what's up <laughs> just different right I don't yeah know. it's just yeah it, so. it is it is and you know just uh, something else and they talk about the manderleys a little bit and how the manderleys you know are from the reach and um right. how the manderleys brought the seven with them and you know you always just kind of forget because um like they're really not prevalent in the show the manderleys um, sure. You just kind yeah. of assume, oh yeah, they're just in the north, but really the the Manderleys they did they came from the Mander, which is a river over in the Reach, and so they did kind of bring that southern influence with them as they uh, took over White Harbor. Yeah, yeah, for sure they did. Um, it, when it says there's there's more backstory, we haven't got to it in a World of Ice and Fire yet, but uh, there's a lot of backstory on on why Lord Manderley or the Manderleys had to move the rivalries that took place, you know, and I think uh, that might be significant. Uh, moving forward in the series right. because uh, Lord Manderley is turning out to be kind of a big deal there in White Harbor. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. And um, so what I thought, would you, do you want to do some more big takeaways from this? I mean, because what I thought was, most well, interesting, I think, I think, I think you and I are going to get there when she goes to the wall, right? Yeah. 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 So she, so Queen Allison flies to the wall on her dragon and, um, there's there's not really a lot here uh, about it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I think I'll actually I think I can read read most most of this here. 
Um, things were, uh, in the north, Queen Allison grew restless uh, with waiting and decided to take her leave of Winterfell for a time and visit the men of the Night's Watch at Castle Black. The distance was not negligible, even flying. Her grace landed at the last hearth and several smaller keeps and hold fast on her way. To the surprise and delight of the lords, whilst a portion of her uh, tail scrambled after her, the rest remained at Winterfell. Her first sight of the wall uh, from above took Alicent's breath away. Her grace would later tell the king. There had been some concern how the queen might be received at Castle Black, for many of the Black Brothers had been poor fellows and warrior sons before those orders were abolished. But Lord Stark sent ravens ahead to warn of her coming, and the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, uh, Lorther Burley, assembled 800 of his finest men to receive her. That night, the Black Brothers feasted uh, the queen on mammoth meat washed down with mead and stout. As dawn broke the next day, Lord Burley... um, took her grace to the top of the wall. Here the world ends, he told her, gesturing at the vast green expanse of the haunted forest beyond. Burley was apologetic for the quality of the food and drink presented to the queen and the rudeness of the accommodations at Castle Black. We do what we can, your grace, the Lord Commander explained. But our beds are hard, our our halls are cold, and our food is nourishing, the queen finished, and that is all that I require. It will pleasure me to eat as you do. The men of the Night's Watch were as thunderstruck by the queen's dragon as by the people of White Harbor had had been, though the queen herself noted that Silverwing does not like this wall. Though it was summer and the wall was weeping, the chill of the ice cold uh, still be felt whenever the wind blew and every gust would make the dragon hiss and snap. Thrice I flew Silverwing high above Castle Black, and thrice I tried to take her beyond the wall, Alisande wrote to Jaehaerys. But every time she veered back south again and refused to go. Never before has she refused to take me where I wished to go. I laughed about it when I came down again, so the Black Brothers would not realize anything was amiss. But it troubled me then, and it troubles me still. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's troublesome. Uh why wouldn't Silverwing go north right. of the wall? Right. What was it that, you know, I mean, because she has really good control over her dragon. I mean, right. she's in a city full of people at, at at White Harbor and has no, you know, they have good mastery of their dragons, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh I think that's extremely interesting and the fact that uh, Silverwing is hissing and snapping at the cold wind, and it's actually not even that cold right now. It's not like it's, mm-hmm. it's still sort of, what does it say? Uh, though it was summer, the wall was weeping. You know, it's still acting this way, um, which is interesting, you know? And right. you could just say, well, it just, you know, this dragon is not <coughs> used to being in this in this temperature, and so it's irritated, um, you know? Mm-hmm. But what's the difference between being on one side of the wall and the other, and the other side of the wall? You know, it's sort of like... Right. Why wouldn't that? It's not that much colder over there, right? Because this thing is flying above the wall. So, you know, I kind of feel like there's some magical, you know, something going on. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I mean, well, so in the show, right? Daenerys just flew her dragons over the wall, no problem. So now that's causing me to wonder if this is the case. Is that going to be different in the books or does Daenerys say have a stronger bond with her dragons or is it that Silverwing is like a weaker dragon and maybe Daenerys has stronger dragons 
Yeah, I hear you. I definitely think there's something. Uh, I know that there's some, there's something special about her bond with her dragons, but I believe you're gonna have to break some sort of spell. You know, I think some spell is gonna have to be broken there for her to go beyond the wall. If she does right. do it that same. I don't even know. I'm actually thinking now that she's not going to do that. That these dragons, you know, I don't know, man. I, I After reading that, I'm sort of like, I don't think that's how it's going to happen in the books at all. Okay. You know, that, yeah. I don't know. Just my thought. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. We shall I, see. Uh, I'm, 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 I think it might be different. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe it is Daenerys has a stronger bond. With with her dragons, and we know that um, uh, Drogon, or you know, Drogon is supposed to be is essentially possibly um, oh, uh, Balerion, like kind of reborn. That's what a lot of people think. So mm-hmm. maybe yeah. maybe that has something to do with it as well. I don't know. Yeah, it could be uh, for sure. I I just think I would love to see. Maybe we'll get another nod to this or something where uh, another dragon ha- struggles going. Mm-hmm. The wall. I don't know how much we'll get of of the Targaryens going, th- you know, this far north. So, right, this is interesting. Although I will say, I think what happens because we kind of know uh, from from a world of ice and fire, eventually the gift, um, you know, uh, in or the new gift, you know, um, are given over to the Night's Watch. Right. And I think it has something to do with this. I think you know at the end it says, uh, "But it <sighs> troubled me then, and it troubles me still." Yeah. You know, and and, and she kind of sees that they need, you know. More supplies, right? And it's and you know, you know something else to think about is that it is it's summer, right? And so yeah, correct. You would think maybe I don't know. Is it the White Walkers? Are they are they moving around? You know the others? Are they happen? Are they happen to be close to the wall right now? And the dragon can sense that. Um, yeah, that's I, scary. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know because we don't really know anything about the White Walkers' movings. We don't really know about. How often they've actually tried to push against the wall? Is it is it now the first time they've ever tried to do it? Um, you know, like where we're at in the book and the show, or you know, presumably the books, um, and and the show. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's weird because we think you know that uh, that all of this that's that's happening with the others and what have you is like something new, mm-hmm. but it very well may not have been something new. Right. Because actually there's more evidence, I think Maester Eamon, uh, and even when Sam starts to, starts to look into it, uh, evidence that there were references to the others, mm-hmm. you know, and to whites, uh, and, and you know, things uh, north of the wall. So, you know, going back to the old king, I think during his reign, yeah, I think you could say there there might have been actually some, some more of that movement going on. And the wildlings might have known more about uh, the others... You know, uh, at that time, than we do now. Yeah. You know, so they could have been more active, as 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 you said, which is interesting. Even though it's summer, it really doesn't matter. I don't think. I think it's just that they're they're there, uh, right. and they're still north of the. It's still cold, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. All I know is that it really. Um, I'm really excited for Fire and Blood now. Um, I have after after, after seeing that I. I I definitely have a different sense of, or a better sense, I should say, of what Fire and Blood is going to be. Um, I almost feel like it, it's that read to me, just that little passage read kind of like the way the novellas read. Yes, it did. So it yep. makes me think that Fire and Blood is going to be just one kind of 
large novella. Not really like a novel, but more in-depth than World of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Yep, agreed. So, well, yeah, because it is more of that. You get some dialogue. Uh, this sort of... Uh, eh, I mean, we still covered quite a bit there, you mm-hmm. know? We, we covered... Um, the stopping in at, at White Harbor, going to win, to to Winterfell, and then up to the Wall in right. in less than you know, but it still felt more like a a story and mm-hmm. and like a you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, you guys have to go check it out. You have to go read it uh, and just let yeah, us know what you re- think because yeah, and get ready get ready for Fire and Blood. And um, you know, just remember that Fire and Blood is also told to us through Archmaester Gildane. The same kind of author as uh, World of Ice and Fire. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. There's a there's a there's a quick little interview at the bottom of that page, the YouTube video, where it's just kind of like a promo for Fire and Blood, and Gurr is talking about, it and he's like, "Remember, this isn't written by me; it's written by Archmaester Gildane." So, wow, old Gildane, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. It's just interesting. It's 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 good. To, it's good. Uh, it's good information. I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready for Fire and Blood. That yeah, uh, I feel like we're gonna have more questions than answers when Fire and Blood comes. Yep, I'm okay with that. Yep. So so all right here. Let's go ahead and move into uh, some of the room. Oh, actually, trivia last week. Um, yeah. The trivia was who declares Rob Stark the king in the north. There sits the only king I mean to bend my ne- my knee to, uh, my lords, the king in the north, and that is John Umber. Or great John, and the winner was Gus, our old, our old, yeah. our old buddy Gus. So nice. uh, yeah, we'll have another trivia question uh, later for in this episode. Just wanted to make sure he got that uh, he was the winner. So all right, here from uh, Veramir Forskins, someone in the group uh, brought up a good point about the format of Bend the Knee working around the new books coming out. I'm curious, uh, but what can you tell us about how the show will look when Fire and Blood is out and when? And then when uh, Wins eventually comes out, will you be dropping everything for a while to focus on those? If so, how will you talk about them without spoiling for fans who haven't gotten to the new books yet? Wondering now so I can plan on how to go about reading the new books while still listening to the podcast. That's good. That's a, that's a great question. <coughs> yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was um, it might get spoiled. You know, yeah. it just might get spoiled for people. Yeah, my, know. you know what, my, <laughs> I think kidding. my initial spo- response was shut it all down. It's too much. I can't handle it anymore. Just shut it down. You know. Yeah, just shut it down. Just shut it down. Yeah. You know, sometimes Sir Ezra and I would joke with each other. We we look at the numbers and we're just like, man, everything's just growing and growing. It's like it's too much. Yeah, I just shut it down. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <No>. it's. <laughs> It, it, it's it's like the days when we used to work at the factory, you know, and we'd be leaving and clocking out just to hey, shut yeah, her down. Shut her down. Just yeah. Shut her down. Shut the old machine down. Yeah. No, but um, <laughs> I actually did respond uh, to Veramir Foreskins personally, but just to answer that for everyone. Um, so with Fire and Blood, what we're going to be doing is we're going to move that to the Maester's study of the main show Monday um, because it kind of works out that we're almost done with World of Ice and Fire. And that can kind of just slide right in there. Of course, any theories and ravens you guys want to talk about specifically with that, obviously we'll do that, you know, on our big follow-up Friday kind of thing. Um, and then Strezer and I are still working out what slash if Winds of Winter as 
uh, ever comes out. But right now we're kind of think tentatively kind of tossing around the idea of having Friday follow up Friday start with like the winds of winter chapter um, kind of the way we do with like the main show and then have the rest of the show devoted to Ravens. But you know, that's kind of mm-hmm. when slash if winds of winter comes out. Uh, yeah, correct. You know, and, and another thing that could happen, <laughs> I would like people's feedback on, on all of that because you know, if Winds of Winter comes, let's say the show hits and then Winds of Winter comes afterwards and everyone's like, you know what, I think we need a Winds of Winter Wednesday. You know, then... Yeah, uh, we've, thought, we've, thought of, we've thought about we've thought mean, of that too. Well, because, right, so like, you know, we know that once Fire and Blood comes out, a lot of our Ravens are probably going to be Fire and Blood Ravens because um, we're just going to expand the world. And then when, lead up to the show, uh, like... Is going to be so many Ravens that are going to be show heavy. And when Winds of Winter comes out, I mean, again, you know, a lot of the Ravens are going to be winds heavy because it's going to change everything. So, you know, I mean, we uh, we have we have kind of a plan A, B and C in place just kind of depends on what happens. Like if winds comes out during the time the show comes out, you know, we'll probably um, drink ourselves to death uh, because we're not going to be able to keep up. Uh, so. I was like, what? I was like, what are you saying? No, I can't do that. Uh, yeah, if Winds of Winter, imagine if Winter if he lo- did like, that? releases the same day as, you know, like season A. I just I, I have to like quit, you know, crazy. you know. And quit our jobs. Yeah, quit I just, jobs. yeah, so. So no, um, we'll see. We we have some plans in place, and we're we've already decided that we will. We're probably going to do an initial. Stars and I are just going to blast through Winds of Winter like on a weekend, like the yeah. weekend it comes out, and then do like an immediate. And we're probably going to do the same with Fire and Blood, as we're just going to blast through it and then do like a special episode that is just a. Hey, like here are just our thoughts on that. We just read it. Here are just kind of standalone thoughts. Um, and then with Winds of Winter, we will cover it again in, you know, five years once we get to it, if it's out by then. <laughs> right, yeah. So so the, so, uh, the Fire and Blood will have like a one-off, yeah, just review, same thing with Winds, just a one-off kind of bonus episode. Um, could drop on a Tuesday, could be a Saturday, we have no Who idea. Knows, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll figure uh, that out. But I like your idea of, um, well, I, I guess I like the idea looking at what Vermeer is asking there, like, will there be spoilers and how can we avoid those if we need slash want to? Uh, and I think if you just said, look, well, here's a whole episode dedicated dedicated to wins when it comes out, which it probably right. deserves its own episode. Oh, abso- absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's just going to be you, our initial thoughts and our minds it. are going to be yeah. all over the place. That might be like a 10-hour yeah. episode, you know, or like... <laughs> right. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll take some feedback and, and figure out as we get closer it i i can't wait for you know it's a good problem to have it's good to know we have content mm-hmm. coming out so yeah <laughs> but all right yeah so so yeah you know we'll we'll adjust as as we as we go so okay um all right so here's one from uh lady sydney she had kind of messaged us a while back um hey guys first i apologize in advance because i'm behind on the podcast my semester got bu- uh busier quicker than i expected um real quick uh, I'll continue with the rest of that. Um, no one ever needs to apologize to us for being behind on the podcast. You know, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. So people, we have people who are like, Hey, I just started. Okay. Awesome. You know, like we're, right. you know, if you include the, um, 
the old episodes and the new. Uh, this is actually our 100th episode, I believe, on the on the actual podcast <laughs> right. feed. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot. So yeah, never ever need to apologize. And then they're you know they're they're there. They stay there forever um, unless Podbean is freaking out, which has been the case as of late. But uh, so yeah. you can uh, you know you can you can listen to four or five a day if you want. Um, so anyway, right. <laughs> all right. Uh, however, my uh, one professor and I talk Game of Thrones almost every day, and we were talking the other day about how we think the wall is going to fall. So my question is, how do you think it's going to happen in the books? We've talked a lot about this, and since The Horn of Winter is the cover of the next book, we definitely think it's going to happen that way. Basically, we think the dragon horn Euron finds is actually going to be the Horn of Winter. Euron is going to reach Danny and show her this horn can control her dragons in hopes of her wanting to marry him. When she blows the horn, she will actually gain control of her dragons, which is important because in the books they don't, uh, listen to her really like they do in the show, but the wall is also going to fall. What do you guys think? Hmm. Okay. Well, um, I don't know. I think I, I've heard people talk about the wall falling, mm-hmm. right? And the wall coming down. I don't know if it is. Okay. <laughs> That's just I like I, I I'm probably gonna be on it. it in the minority here, uh, but that wall's got some some special powers. It does, you know, and and I and, and let me also uh, note that there is a group of men, you know, defending that wall. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, they are the shield, right? Mm-hmm. That guards, that the, guards realm the realms of men. Yeah, and so I don't know. Um, Honestly, it could be you know I it, the, the horn seems to be it's it's going to be significant. Obviously, it's on the it's right. on the cover. Um, will it help Danny with the with controlling her dragons? I don't think so. Actually, I think it's a it might end up being a bad thing. But then I'm 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 not necessarily sure because wasn't there some sort of room or was there something in World of Ice and Fire that talked about how the Valerians used to control their dragons? Was there something? Did, did we miss? Did they do it differently? Oh, you might have to look that up. That's what I'm wondering. You know, is well, yeah, was it done in in, in a different way? Um, but I don't know. I know right now that Victor, Victorian uh, Greyjoy is on his way, and he has the horn uh, that Ur- that Euron gave him, and they're kind of what debating mm-hmm. as to who's gonna blow the horn because they know it's gonna Kill uh, burn them up, right. burn them from you know the inside out. So. There's maybe, that. You maybe, still have maybe, to kind maybe of, it won't burn Daenerys because she's kind of fireproof. There you go. Maybe she can. There you go, Sir Matt. Well, that's what I that's mean. What, my, that's what Lady Sydney's kind. Of, I think is pointing to. Yeah, I like that because because then the idea. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Holy smokes! I didn't even. I never, never thought that, of that. I, I, never I yeah, I never thought no. of it too. So uh, until Lady Sydney pointed it out, kind of kind of out there. Um, yeah, you yeah. know I. When I was during in the show, um, you know when Bran goes, he when he's training he, uh, to do, become the Three Eyed Raven, he kind of finds the Night King's army assembling, and the Night King kind of yeah. touches him, and it like right. freaks uh-huh. out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of thought the way it would happen was Bran kind of leaves, right, and um. Then actually, I think it's different. Doesn't cold hands help him south of the wall? 
then? Because like, Hodor you... dies when he leaves. Hmm, I think. Yeah, who I think uh... it is kind of different in the show. I can't remember exactly how he just how he gets south of the wall or if we don't actually see it. We know he escapes with Mira. Um I don't actually remember. I but, I think but uh, the, that to, to me that kind of seems like it broke the spell, right? Or maybe then the maybe then the others knew where he was so they kind of came for him. Um so I always kind of thought the way it would happen in the show was Bran would go south of the wall in that because the Night King kind of touched him or marked him or whatever, it would kind of right. break some of the magic of the wall, and that would be how it fell. I did not expect him to, like, Daenerys to fly over with her dragons, him take one, and him kind of burn it down. Um, I do, however, like the idea of a horn, and the horn has been around so long. Um, I still am in kind of this idea that it's not going to be the Night King being overly powerful. It's going to be somebody doing something thinking it's a good idea and it's a terrible idea. Like it goes terribly wrong, right? Like maybe they, maybe, like maybe Daenerys blows this horn thinking, oh, it'll let me control my dragons, but it actually causes the wall to fall or something. I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how she, I don't know how she would get all the way over there or how it works if you just blow it anywhere in the world and it, and it does it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's what Sydney's kind of saying. You know, my only thing is, it's be- it has been blown. Um, yeah, but maybe maybe it does take, like you said, like a Targaryen, mm-hmm. you know, or someone with that blood or that power right. to truly blow it. Yeah, maybe. You know? So, uh, so there's that. But because uh, the sound was awful, right? I mean, it, it, it right. Uh, I think people were kind of in awe. So we're not even really sure whether that is the horn. You know, right. so that so there's, well, there's remember, all still yeah, that. To remember, come Mance thinks he has one, and then, um, yeah, Melisandre orders that one that they kind of set the fake one to be burned because yep. she doesn't want that to happen. So, correct. Yeah, yeah. So. so, so we have to check and see. You know, what we got in that horn there for sure. Right, and I think we'll definitely find out in Winds of Winter. <clears throat> yes, but I now agree. that we are, yep. but now I don't know this. That passage from Fire and Blood kind of changed my mind on things because are dragons afraid of the wall? You know, yeah, they definitely right. Silverwing did not like the wall. So uh, what if? So what if? What if it's like way later than we think? What if like Daenerys somehow gets to the wall and then tries to fly her dragons over and they don't listen? So she blows the horn, thinking it'll give me more control, and then that's actually how it comes down. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I I actually th- what I think might be almost cooler is if if like let's say you knew there was a risk, because if it's mm-hmm. just like what what because if you blow that horn, then all of a sudden like something it, it just there's no explanation. All of a sudden the wall just falls. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it'd be one it'd be one thing. Uh, it almost be a little bit better if it's like okay, we know there's this risk, but does the benefits of blowing this horn outweigh right the risk? You yeah. know. And that might put them in a in in a, in a dilemma. And right. so you're you got tactical, you got people arguing, you've got people debating what to do, uh, you know. And so that might be kind of cool. Yeah. So mm. I don't know, Sydney. It's a good question. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, but I don't know. Going back to my original point, that I like foresaw the wall coming down. I I, I thought that there. That, I guess that there would be a there way in which they could pass yeah, through. Yeah, there are gates yeah, at, that they at the could, wall, yeah. 
yeah, I, I thought they might be able just to kind of pass through, and that maybe, as you said, that they might try, and that there's some some magical spells that we kind of learn about. Well, they were broken. Right. Here's why they're broken, and then now they're coming through. Can we restore them? No. Okay, we have to well, fight. Right, and, and then you know, <clears throat> from like Mance Raider's point of view, and kind of the Wildling point of view, is they think the wall, they think that the Horn of Winter is actually above, is north of the wall, right? Um, yeah. Uh huh. So you know, maybe it's possible. They try this horn, and it's not the real deal, and then Euron goes north of the wall. You know what I mean? The winds of winter could go totally 100% different than the show. So, I mean, I'm open for any idea. On, right. You know, you know, on it. And the other, th- there's a lot of other people that think that there's a big theory that there's a dragon, like an ice dragon in the wall, right? Um, sure, yeah. And so maybe the Night King somehow gets the real horn of winter which is north of the wall and he blows it i don't know wait say that again so <clears throat> right like the- right like mance raider and 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 mance raider and and the wildlings think that the horn of winter is actually north of the wall right like they were going and they were digging up yeah yeah crypts of old yeah right so if what if there is actually an ice dragon in the wall? So there's kind of you know I'm pulling like four or five theories here and kind of making uh, yeah one. I got you yeah yeah um, so there are some people that think there is an actual an actual ice dragon in the wall. Well, what if you know maybe the Night King somehow like or gets hold of this horn of winter like the actual horn of winter and blows it and then he that's how he gets an ice dragon and the wall comes down. Gotcha, huh? That would be interesting. That would, yeah, be, a, that would be another great. way to do it. That would still be similar outcome to the show, but a different way of doing it. Right. Yeah. Huh. That's it. That. Yeah. I. I see. So, basically, yeah. Because we do know. I mean, I think Tormund and Igret actually say uh, they talk about how that horn is a is is a fake. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. And th- that's mentioned. I can't remember exactly. It's something. Igret's talking to John about it, and then I think Tormund, when he comes down oh, after Val goes and meets with him and stuff, they 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 talk again about the horn, um, mm-hmm. and it was something about like like due to either its markings or its size or uh, something that that told them that it, it wasn't the true horn of Joramon, right. but yet they uh, were still because they were still searching for it, but they had one that they were ready to kind of bluff with, right? You know. With the Night's Watch, yeah. So, and then Euron shows up with this horn that's, like, burning people from the inside out. <laughs> and it's sort right. of like, uh, wait, what? You know, Now, see, what I don't know is, see, I don't think that horn is the Horn of Winter. You know, because I guess I imagine that the Horn of Winter would, would do different th- if it was going to uh, uh, hurt someone in some way. Right. Or if, it was, if it was magical, it would... You know, f- almost freeze you from the inside mm-hmm. out or something. I don't know. I'm just yeah. I mean, that's you know me being super simple there, but I, I don't know. Well, I just, think that there's other thing is that there might be two different horns, right? There might be the horn of winter and the dragon binding horn, right? Or dragon binder, like they could right. be two different yep. things. So, yep. It's just that I think yeah. that right. Some people think that the horn Euron has is dragon binder, but some people also think I think this is. Um, kind of what Sydney Sydney's kind of saying here is it's actually the horn of winter not um dragon binder or maybe it is I don't know gotcha yeah 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Melisandre called, M- Melisandre called it the Horn of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like it. So, all right here. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lady Sydney, for that. Um, all right, our good uh, Lord James Hunter here. Uh, good evening, Sir Matt. Quick question. Are the Dunk and Egg novellas all in the same book, or are they three separate ones? He listened to it on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, so real quick on that, um, just so people can find it easier. There are three There are three separate books. You have The Hedge Knight, The Sworn Sword, and The Mystery Knight. But if you want to buy it today, because those are you know from like the ninety, like the late nineties, early two thousands, um, I don't even know how you would. It's actually I think kind of difficult to find them separated um, from right. from what I've seen. So the easiest way to do it today is to get the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. It's like twenty bucks. You can get on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever, and um, it has all three of those stories. And then you can uh, they're all they they're just combined. And it's really nice. Um, the hardcover book is really nice. The audio book, which we talk about all the time, is phenomenal. And I highly recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, and that is uh, Lord Hunter, the Foulmouthed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. So, uh, um, all right. Here's uh, one from a new person here. Um, yeah. His first Raven, I shall go by Brown Ben Zaza. I hope that's. Um, Correct there. Um, he says, all right, I was listening to A Clash of Kings, Chapter 31, Catelyn, while falling asleep uh, until I heard this. He says, is this a clue towards Bran existing through multiple areas of time? Um, on the night of their wedding, um, and I had yielded her maidenhood uh, to a mortal's love and thus doomed herself to a mortal's death. And her grieving parents uh, had unleashed their wrath and sent the winds and waters to batter down Durin's hold. His friends and brothers and wedding guests were crushed beneath collapsing walls or blown out to sea. But Elenai uh, sheltered Durin with, uh, within her arms, so he took no harm. And when the dawn came, at last he declared war upon the gods and vowed to rebuild. Five more castles he built, each larger and stronger than the last, only to see them smashed asunder with the gale winds uh, came howling up Shipbreaker Bray, uh, driving great walls of water before them. His lords pleaded with him to build inland. His priest told him he must uh, placate the gods by uh, giving Illini back to the sea. Even his small folk begged him to relent. Durin would have none of it. A seventh castle he raised, most massive of all. Some said the children of the forest helped him build it, shaping the stones with magic. Others claimed that a small boy told him what he must do. A boy who would grow to to be Brand the Builder. No matter how the tale was told, the end was the same. Though the ang- uh, though the angry gods threw storm after storm against it, the seventh castle stood. That is, of course, Storm's End. Yep. So that's interesting, right? I mean, I think uh mm-hmm. the, like the question afterwards was um is this a clue to are, to brand existing? Yeah. yeah. And this is the brand the builder um idea is that you know, Bran um all, all the Brandons are one person or that Bran yeah. our current Bran is actually Bran the builder like he went back in time. 
I don't know. I think that it is interesting because how is it that this young brand, right? It seems like a young kid would grow to be brand the builder who we know built the wall and I guess also built Storm's End. Mhm. Which is like a magical castle. I don't know. Yeah, it's just sort of the uh it, you really have to wonder present brand now how much is he is he influencing or going to influence mm-hmm. you know um and if he is messing with those events okay then then yeah then there's uh then this would be one of those spots perhaps where you know he is you know is is he called upon or did he go there was there some um extra push you know from our brand our current brand to tell you know former brand uh that he needed to go give aid to uh you know, storms uh, storm in there, and and, right. and to help raise this keep, uh, right, to to the first you know storm king. So I don't know. I, yeah. So so hear me. I out. would rather so hear, believe that it was that it was. All right. So you know, so hear me out way. on this, sir, because I've been thinking a lot about Bran lately. Um, I was watching this interview the other day with uh, where Girl was talking about how Bran is the most difficult character to write, not because of all of his time controlling events, right, but just that Bran is this small kid, and he's like you have to see it through the eyes of an eight year old. So when I hear him say something like that, I'm like, how is it that Bran, like, would ha- would would have the knowledge? Have the, right, have the knowledge about all this stuff. I mean, we know he does like stories, but so just when I when I hear him talk about how difficult it is to write Bran, that's just kind of one piece to my my idea here. So my second one is once you start getting into time travel, we've talked we've talked about how it kind of jacks up storylines, but. When Bran becomes the three-eyed rate or crow or raven in the show, like all of that stuff that Bran the Builder had done had already existed. So for that to happen, we're all either living in a timeline that is already influenced by Bran or yeah. or then Bran there would be no reason for Bran to go back and fix things because they already would have happened, right? Like when you watch Back to the Future, you know, you think about yep. you think about Marty McFly, the timeline that he starts off with with is not the timeline he ends up in. He goes back in time and it changes things, right? Like when he goes back yep. to his own timeline, his timeline is now drastically different, right? His dad is an author and they're rich. And, you know, he has like a big truck and all of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, we can't if if this is the case, then we cannot be in the original timeline. We will have like brand must somehow things must have worked out similarly for brand to become the three eyed crow gone back, changed things. And now we are in this changed. You know, time time period. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I mean, I, it's it's it, what you're saying is is why are you writing from this timeline if it's if w- w- focused on a character who then is trying to alter things, right? You know, because we never would get to see what that alteration will be, right? Is that right? Yeah, and so that's when you get into like time paradoxes and all that stuff. But if we if it does play out, I'm the Hodor thing, right? Um, yeah. So that already happened. So, you know, I don't It's confusing. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, it's it's confusing. But that's like but the Hodor thing is 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 not something as as significant as like building Storm's End or building like the wall. 
right? Like those are yeah. like, like that's like that's like something that affects one person. Um, like in Doctor Who, the way they kind of explain it, and this is obviously another time travel show. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember which Doctor it is. I think it's the tenth Doctor, David Tennant, kind of talks about like when you go back and you mess with things, it, it they kind of work themselves out. It's more like he's like there's a big difference between. Um, like throwing a pebble into a pond and there's like ripples, but eventually the ripples kind of work themselves out. Right. And the pond goes back to being smooth. And then he, then there's like what he calls like fixed events where there's like, like set things that like, if you altered them, like it would drastically change the history. So maybe Bran doesn't alter these big significant things or I, I don't know. It's hard. Time travel's hard. <laughs> to, to yeah, I say leave it out. <laughs> but just leave it out. Something I thought that would be cool would be what if the Night King, um, somehow gains this power of time travel, and so it's kind of like Bran is fighting the Night King. Like they're going back and forth the time, and they're like, you know, he's trying to alter events, and Bran is like fixing them, and that's why Bran would have to go back and say, you know, we need to build the wall, we need to do this, we need to do that. I don't know. Yeah, that's really kind of my only yeah. explanation for Bran being all these other people, because otherwise the brand we see now, the wall is already built. So why would he have to go back to have like Storm's End created? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, know, I know exactly what you're saying, because it just doesn't from that from <coughs> this point of view uh, in this in this air quote timeline, it just that, that's type, doesn't necessarily make sense. But um, I get, though, where people have the idea that like a a spirit or a reincarnation is sort of uh born again you know azora yeah, i see that in, you know and i like so that i i Brandon find built, yeah yeah i find that more than the somehow yeah. three-eyed crow magic kind yeah of thing. correct so I, I think that's more plausible and something that we could learn more about uh, right but and yeah, this raven, so. and this raven isn't isn't is just suggesting the idea of Bran existing throughout multiple areas of time. So that's um, so I am much more in line with you, as you just said, right? The Bran kind of like re- are reincarnated or something like that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it is just super interesting the uh, the parallel there, you know, in, in this uh, young boy, this young oh, Bran, you know, yeah, abso- oh, of, absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, it's just cool really cool so so all right right. well thank you uh very much uh brown ben that was that was good um all right so we we have hey go go ahead were you gonna say something well real quick in 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 the hedge knight wasn't who was the who was the the brown knight bennis the brown bennis okay because that's okay this reminded me (laughs) of okay that's funny um all right right, here here we have kind of two things from sir gibbs inquisitive um one is something that he posted in the group and a conversation kind of started and then another one which was um a message on patreon and uh yeah if you're a patron you can get on here and it's kind of like another group and there's always like kind of people can post there and you can start discussions there as as well so um you want to read this one sir yeah i got it sure um so this is uh, uh talking about jamie here you know what <clears throat> I really like to say that I like book Jamie way more than show Jamie. I feel as though book Jamie is really uh, not liking his sister. He's away and gets a uh, 
Raven begging him for help. What does he do? Ignores it and goes about his merry way <coughs> with thoughts of, she's probably fucking Lancel, <laughs> Osney Kettleblack, or Moonboy, for all I know. Uh, I really feel like his character arc in the books is much stronger than in the show. Uh, I do feel as though it will be book Jamie who kills Cersei. She mm-hmm. treats him like a servant and walks all over him. And I feel um, he sees his way sooner in the books. I guess more so than uh, Tyrion tells him who she has been banging. So, yeah. yeah. yeah more so than after uh, Tyrion, you know, yeah. lets, him, lets him know about Moonboy. Right. Um, great. Uh, shows and uh, always look forward to the to, to, to the next one. So yeah, no, uh, I that. hey, uh, I, I kind of I kind of agree, and um, I think that he's set up more as an, an as kind of an antihero in the books. In, in the show, we get those scenes where actually, you know, you and I have talked about this with Jamie. Is that he's not even really in the books? It's like the first, like the first book, he's like, I mean, you have like two scene you see him but you don't really have conversations with him right like correct yeah. I, I mean you know joffrey is actually kind of similar in that you joffrey is way more prevalent in the show and as and 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 just as jamie is in those first couple seasons and it's because we like the writers knew about them so they were kind of able to add scenes or kind of just display them differently um so it's just, i think it, it kind of works and that's kind of what I, I think Sir Gibbs maybe feels the same way is that Jamie yeah. in, Jamie in the books, by the time you get to his first chapter, it's like, whoa, okay, because it starts off a storm of swords. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but but just a quick side note here. Uh, sorry, uh, Sir, Sir Gibbs, my foot was cramping up the entire time I was reading that, so I could <laughs> barely, like, talk. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm actually in agreement. I think I like book Jamie way more, you know? I mean, he's just, there's... Mm-hmm. So much more uh, going on. There's, there's, it's, it's very subtle, but yet there's a lot of it. There's a lot of subtlety. There's, there's a lot of uh, different types of characterization, and um, he's, he's, he's interesting. I think Cersei does sort of walk all over him. She obviously, when he leaves and she's there in uh, King's Landing by herself, she clearly, you know, isn't that, uh, you know, attached to him. She has to be with someone. She like right. needs someone to. You know, um, I don't know, prance around with it's just it's 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 crazy and and so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think she was losing him before that. I also think the whole bit with Brienne really changed him. He come he came across someone, you know, there who reminded him maybe even of the caliber of the, uh, you know, uh, Sir Sir Barristan <coughs> the Bold, right? And so, so right. some of those, yep. you know, Sir Arthur Dane, some of those knights who were like. I, th- I think he got reminded of that, and then he also had a lesson to teach her in that, like, um, about oaths and keeping your oaths, and and mm-hmm. what, you know, which oaths do you keep? You know, we swear so many of them, so or right. or we take and so he's, many, and he's know, like so, oddly attract. He's like oddly attracted to Brienne too, um, like yeah. his. I think you get that more than you do in the sh- in the sh- in the in the show. I don't think you really get like you can tell there's kind of an attraction there in the books. It's way more prevalent. Like they, they you, cause you get Jamie's internal monologue and he, he's like, he talks about how her yeah. teeth are crooked and stuff, but for some reason he still kind of finds her attractive. Yeah. It, well, in, in, in the show, it just seems more like, uh, Brienne is, is, 
embarrassed and, and more, uh, which she is in the book too, but right. more enamored with him than, than he is with right. her. Well, she's also Whereas she's also book, she's also a far more attractive uh, character in, oh, in, God, the, yeah. in the show than she is in the book. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I always forget Gwyneth something. Um, I always forget. I always forget her name. Captain Phasma is, you know, my what, yeah, yeah, Christy. Uh, yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, uh, something like yeah, that. Gwyneth Christie or something like that. I can't remember. I could be totally one hundred percent wrong. Anyway, Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn yep. Christie. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Okay. So um, all right. So here is one. Uh, this was kind of a discussion that started in the group, also from Sir Gibbs. There's a John chapter in Dance of Dragons that describes a member of the Umber family having their daughter stolen by the wildlings 30 years previous to current date. This was dropped as a factoid that initially I uh, would I you know I thought would be would be nothing. But moments later Val is a topic of discussion. Could Val be the missing Umber daughter? I'm now going to listen to Dance of Dragons to try and isolate the chapter uh, and segment that is mentioned. I really am really starting to uh, Learn the way of being of her being an umber, but I need more info on Val. Like, how old is she currently in yeah. A Song of Ice and Fire? Yeah. So, so right, yeah. So, Sir, Sir Ezra, you're kind of the the Val, you know, expert here. So, I'm gonna kind of defer to you on this one. Okay. Well, so I um, the, the, I I think it's interesting that there is that that missing um, umber you know, family member. Mm-hmm. But when I did some research originally on Val, this is back in the, the first thing I, I thought when I, when I read that is just that Val is, is, is possibly too young. Right. Um, for, 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 and, and I'm not just, I was actually, <clears throat> as soon as I, I read this, uh, Sir Gibbs, I was thinking about her, uh, sister and I'm trying to do a quick little, you know, look up here, uh, as Sir Matt was reading that, Dala, mm-hmm. who is the wife of Mance Raider, right? Yep. Who I believe it might actually be a little closer to um, that age, but yeah. I want to see. Is it just she died in three hundred? But but I don't know exactly how old she was, and we don't really right. Uh, and we also we also don't know a hundred percent for certain. Correct me if I'm wrong. We don't know a hundred percent for certain why Mance Raider kind of left the Night's Watch. But we, no, huh, we no. but we do know that he um you, you know like he had traveled to Winterfell and stuff while he was in the Night's Watch. So is it possible that maybe he kind of favored this girl who he's now kind of saying is a member of the is a wildling but may actually not be. Uh yeah, well that's that's what I was trying to figure out is is that uh is is there any you know evidence that would suggest that like uh, that that Dala and and Val had come from the south? Well, it would it would explain quick. a lot more about why maybe Mance Raider knows all of these things that he shouldn't. If Mance Raider is just some you know kind of wildling boy that was taken and, and put into the Night's Watch and kind of then you know rever- yeah. reverts back. Yeah. Did, like the crazy thing is, I mean, like like Val is described as the wildling princess, mm-hmm. and you know, she just does. She seems more like she has some type of you know high born uh, edge right. to her, yep, or, or like 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 a grace. Even in her garments, even though um, the way in which she's dressed is is still kind of you know like of the north, it's still a much more graceful 
look cleaner, you mm-hmm. know, and stuff. So uh, wearing all white, you know, um, white woolen woolen um, pants, you know, touching right. the high boots, bleached leather, bleached white leather, white bearskin cloak pinned to the shoulder. I mean, she was kind of decked out, and so I feel like she is possibly of of some type of noble birth, you know. Yeah, and so. I could see the the Umbers are you know more like a like a great house in the north, uh, so that makes sense. I just was wondering about whether or not Dala might have been maybe uh, older, or even their mother, which we don't know anything about <coughs> the, their mother. And I actually even wondered, in, in all seriousness, if uh, it says Val is a member of the Free Folk, um, she is the sister of Dala, the wife of Mance Raider, but I don't know if they're actually sisters. It's true. Yeah, no, that's possible. Well, I mean, especially if you get into the is Mance somebody else he's not supposed to be, right? Is he Arthur Dane? Is he, like, is he possibly Rhaegar? Um, Yeah. And that's something to think about. I mean, that's really kind of the Val area to explore is, you know, if she was an Umber daughter, what would that do to that Mance Radar being Arthur Dane theory or Rhaegar theory? You know, how does that... How does that affect that? Um, but I don't know. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna have to dig deeper into this. Uh, her being an, her possibly being an umber theory. Yeah, and right, and just just yeah, go, going missing thirty years prior to the start of the novel. I don't know. I just do, I don't know. That's that's pretty cool. I, who, like who like if it's not Val or Dala or whoever, you know, who could that be? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, who's still kind of, uh, and how old was that person? But does he say how old she, how old she was when she went missing? Let's see. Did Sir Gibbs mention that? No, I don't believe so. Just says, okay, just uh, gotcha. So that chapter in so John chapter Dance of Dragons uh, described that a member of the Umber family, um, their daughter was stolen by the wildlings thirty years previous. Okay, gotcha. Stolen. So right. I was trying to figure out like how. Uh, how that person went missing. So, so who is that? So obviously it's somebody, they have to be, uh, north of the wall. Who else could it be, sir, Matt? You know, yeah, I don't who know. else is I'm sort look, of like that, <coughs> that kind of noble yeah, Moore's, birth? Moore's Umber called, uh, Crowfu, the great John's uncle and brother to Hother. Um, he has deceased sons during Robert's rebellion and a daughter carried off by wildlings 30 years prior to a game of Thrones. Huh, thirty years prior could definitely have been the mother to Val and Dala, though. You that's, know what I'm saying? That's that's true. Yeah, that's what I was thinking more. So I don't I don't know. It could be totally because I believe I could be totally wrong. I, in my research, I was trying to figure out, um, and I think History of Westeros or somebody I, I got to give credit to had tracked down that Val was closer to like eighteen, right? Um, like like it, it just seemed like she was. Uh, uh, it was all around that year, you know, 280, 283 was a part of the whole discussion as to whether or not it could be John's sister, all that kind of stuff. So just the way in which she, she's described. And then she has an older sister, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's also, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, yeah, it just says, gosh, it just they, says uh, his sons were killed during the Battle of the Trident and Robert's Rebellion, and his only daughter was abducted in 270 A.C. by wildlings leaving Moors with a deep hatred of the free folk. How are they abducted? I'm going to have to look at that. 
Yeah, I mean, it must have must have been raiding. I mean, because the Umbers are are close. Like they they live um, uh, much further north. So okay, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a great great catch though. It's a great catch, and I I I would love to, you know. Find a connection. What's her name? Yeah, that, you're right. Yeah, she's. It's. It looks. It's. Um. I mean, it is way closer to the wall than. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's. Than Winterfell is. Right. I mean, if you just look at yeah, the, so if you look have, at they, the region of the North, Winterfell is almost smack down the mid, smack dab in the middle, and if you kind of consider the right. wall, um, I would say the last hearth, which is where the Umbers are from, is only about like. You know, I mean, ten percent. So it's like ninety of either ninety percent close to the wall. That's where they're at, so they're not that far. I don't know how many miles or leagues that is, but it doesn't look like that many. Right, but much easier to carry off and then uh, either sneak back over the wall or what have you. Yeah, so for sure. Um, what was her, what, What's the wildling that sneaks out? Is it Asha? Uh, Osha? Yeah, Osha. Uh, is that her name? Osha, yeah. yeah. About how, I wonder how old she is, you know? Okay. I don't know. Just wondering. I don't know. I don't so, know if we have a an age for her. I, I'm just trying to think of females that we interact with, you know, uh, that are wildlings now. That that could be that could fit that. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. know. It doesn't. It doesn't say description. I would yeah. imagine Osha seems like she's like a little bit older though. Not just even she seems like a wildling. Yeah, I mean, not just not just by her character in the in the. Um, in the show, but even in the books, it seems like she's a little bit older. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Um. Oh, here's this one. I'll let, I'll let you read this next one, Sir Ezra. That's it. Yep. It's your best friend. Yep. So we have the the ghost of Heron Hall, uh, back with another Raven. Uh, let's see here. We have a uh, looks like we've got a an excerpt from uh, Brienne, A Feast of Crows, seven. Mm-hmm. So here it is. You did beautifully, she said, when the woman showed her the freshly painted shield. It was more a picture than a proper coat of arms, and the sight of it took her back through the long years to the cool dark of her father's armory. She remembered how she'd run her fingertips across the cracked and faded paint over the green leaves of the tree and along the path of the falling star. (laughs) It yeah. just uh, makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. Um, so the ghost goes on to say here, Evenfall has the same shield as Sir Duncan the Tall. In Hedge Knight, the Tanzel painted original shield is splintered beyond repair and has to be used um, with, uh, and it has to be used another with a hanged man, giving him, uh, basically he has to use another shield and he has the Gallo Knight's. Uh, on that shield, but somehow uh, the Tarths end up with this old shield. Gur confirmed mm-hmm. that Brienne is a direct descendant of Sir Duncan the Tall. But wait, in a world of ice and fire, the Tarths are said to have blood ties to House uh, Durandun, uh, Baratheon, and Targaryen, which means Dunk most likely marries one of Egg's sisters. Tarth doesn't seem a likely match for royalty, but this litter seemed to marry for love. Uh, Tarth is sworn to House Baratheon, but uh, Lord Selwyn of Evenhall, or Evenfall, sent Brienne to Renly 
and refused Davos' request to support Stannis. Why would the Tarths and the Tyrells side with Renly? Is it because Stannis is too much iron, too cold and brittle, and not true steel like Robert? Maybe Selwyn sent Brienne to potentially knock Stannis out of the game and knew a shiny copper Renly wouldn't last? Gurr confirmed that the, that the word she shouts when Lady Stoneheart threatens hanging is sword. Brienne is going to plunge Oathkeeper into Jamie's lion heart to save Pod and become the prince, unisex, that was promised. She's got the blood. She's Duncan's only no confirmed uh, descendant, and it's just too wonderful to hope for. What if she's on the Iron Throne in the end and marries Tormund Giantsbane, a man who actually adores her for her over every other betrothal that hasn't panned out for her? I hope she unites the Free Folk to Westeros as uh, the Eighth Kingdom. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a lot there. That's awesome. So uh, thanks again to the ghost. Uh, Sir Matt, thoughts? Yeah, that's a lot. That's definitely... Uh, that's really interesting, actually. I, uh, that, is, that is something that has caught me off guard. A little bit here as I uh, as I digest yeah. this here, the, just having the similar shield to Sir Duncan the Tall. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, we always we've always known that uh, that there was that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That Gur Gur had said that a character would kind of be shown. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just real quick here. Lady Stoneheart's threatens hanging is sword, but Brienne is going to plunge Oathkeeper into Jamie's Lionheart to save Pod and become the prince that was promised. She's got the, yeah. she's got the blood. Yeah, I mean, hey, I would like I am I still like the idea of the Azor High being someone who we don't suspect, right? Like I sure. think yeah. there's evidence for a lot of people. I mean. You know, you could you could you could really kind of make evidence for just about anyone. I would actually I think it would be kind of better if Gurr had it not be like Jon Snow or Daenerys. And it was like the Hound or Brienne. Um, yeah, because then it just it just yeah, I don't know. It just it makes it cooler. Right. It just I, I, it, it's 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 not what you had expected. And I think that's kind of his writing style. So. Yeah. Yeah, I. This is neat, and I know there's a lot of fans for for Brienne, and I, and, and I am a fan as well. Um, I thought it was interesting here the note that which means Dunk most likely married one of Egg's sisters, uh, because it, uh, the ghost is going back to the reference in a World of Ice and Fire. Uh, the Tarts are said to have blood ties to House uh, Durandon, Baratheon, and Targaryen, which means that Dunk most likely married one of Egg's sisters. Um, so that. So do you see the connection that that is being made there? It's sort of like because uh, there's this reference to this shield, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's held, and that 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 is cherished. That um, I don't know. So because does Dunk have his own? I'm still trying to make the, the like the connection between Dunk and the and the Tarths. You know, right? Uh. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm just a little uh, confused, I guess, or 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 taken back here. But the idea that Dunk does Dunk marry, 
you know? Or is that the dunk is that is that uh, is that Duncan as in like Egg's son? Right. You know? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I don't know. So uh no, no, no. So would Brienne sitting on, on the Iron Throne? I don't know. I man. find Could that. Could you imagine that? That would be yeah, that would be crazy. What I think, I think would be cool being for Being a Bri- hero. Right. I think it would be cool you know. if Brienne ends up as the um, Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Okay, sure. I think that'd be a super yeah. cool thing, right? Because that's all she wants is to be like a knight, and then she kind of gets that Kingsguard title. And then, you know, also like Sir Duncan the Tall kind of, you know, kind of goes along with that as well. I don't know. I, th- I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and and also she's that younger generation. She's one of the few who have, as I said earlier, that same caliber uh, of honor and 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 duty that like Sir Barristan and Arthur Dane and 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 Gerald Hightower had. Right. And so yep. that's where I, you know, Jamie sees that in her. So her being that hero, the the King's Guard, you know, uh, is cool. Um, even if she's still hooking up with, uh, you know, right. uh, Tormund or whoever, you know, which which would be really awesome, actually. So, well, isn't uh, Jamie still technically the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard? Yeah. So yep. he could just put her in the Kingsguard. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. If he doesn't die, like if he survives. Right. So. Yeah, and she, well, so right now, I mean, she's going, you know, as, as the ghost has mentioned here, uh, Right before she, it's all back. I mean, everything hangs on what Lady Stoneheart wants to do here, so that's key. So, right. like Lady Stoneheart is it has the power to, um, and she's trying to hang her, you know, and, and so then, but she she Brienne yells out sword, and uh, I don't know. So Brienne is on her way, possibly right to meet up with Jamie and and plunge. Um, Oathkeeper into his heart, forge that uh, you know, uh, sword and become you know the prince that was promised. Right. So that that I could see that that I actually that part you know makes makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I think she will be standing next to the Iron Throne, uh, just right. not sitting on it. Right. So. Uh, yeah. That that seems more likely to me as well. Yeah, um, but everybody's got their favorites, and everybody's got to you know. Hey, it's true. Root for for their guy or gal. To I'd get be on that I'd be okay with it either way. I'm I'm okay with Brienne. You I know, like, I like Brienne of Tarth. I'm. Yeah, I'm still rooting for Arya or bring back Beric Dundarian. <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, so, but okay, all right. Uh, last uh, question here, but first, let's do trivia. Oh yeah. So trivia. What are the names of Tommen's cats? What are the names Jamie. of Tommen's cats? <laughs> there we go. Good. Let us know about them cats, man. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. It's a good one. That's awesome. Um, all right. That's from um Doug. He's still kind of working. He's, he says he's working he can't he says he can't think of a cool name yet. He is from Pittsburgh. Uh, he's originally he, he's from Pittsburgh. He lives in St. Louis now, and I lived in Cleveland for a bit. Oh, okay. So he he seems to be he seems kind of a traveler. He traveled from the Steel yeah. City to the you know gateway the dog gateway to the West, 
And then he, yeah, he lived in he lived in yeah. Cleveland for a bit. Uh, it says maybe Sir Douglas of the Burning River. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Hey guys, I am a new listener to the podcast. I was originally a big show guy, but I was looking for something to curb my GOT addiction during this long layover between seasons seven and eight. That is when I came across your podcast and I got really interested in the books and learning more about the story Gur has put together. Anyway, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about famous swords of the different houses in Game of Thrones, like Ice, yep. Heartsbane. Um, I always found them to be interesting and didn't know if there was enough information about them to be able to discuss. Thanks. Uh, no, there's, I mean, quite a lot. Um, there's a lot of theories behind them and stuff like that. But I guess let's just uh, talk about some of our favorite swords, Sir Ezra. Um, I think the, fir- yeah. the first one we see is ice. And there are tons of theories about ice and, and, and how, how cool it is. And, um, you know, it's this enormous great sword that House Stark has, this Valyrian steel, and... Even Catelyn Stark talks about how it has this, like, she doesn't like swords, but it has this really kind of unique beauty to it. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's like a kind of, it's more of like a ceremonial sword. It's actually what's used to kill Ned Stark. Um, and then it gets burnt. Which is crazy. It is. Just crazy. Yeah. And then it gets broken down by Toho Mott into Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale. And we don't really know where Widow's Whale is. So those are the two first. Uh, Valyrian steel swords that house I still find that crazy that house that was the first Valyrian steel swords that house Lannister had right since because they had one and they lost it a long time ago right yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, lion's tooth or no not lion's tooth gosh dang it um, what was the 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 name of that right it went with uh, the one guy the laughing lion right who who end up who ended up uh, lost right. Right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up right now. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so yeah, I just put up I put up a couple of of the different swords here, and you've got uh, it's just run down. Is it okay to run down a few of them? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, so you know you just mentioned Heartsbane. Uh, you've got Ice, as you said, uh, Oathkeeper, which I just just pulling out some of the, uh, you know, swords that we know, uh, which is you know given uh, by Jamie to Brienne of Tarth. Widow's Whale, again, those were the two that were kind of broken down um, from ice. Lady yeah. Forlorn, which is actually mm-hmm. kind of cool. The Ancestral Sword of House Corbray. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, Corbray, you know, legend, like like there were several Corbrays that were in the Kingsguard. Right. And so they're kind of a house that's known, you know, as, as having renowned uh, knights. So there's that. Uh, Longclaw. You know, uh, House Mormont is there. Uh, we've got Blackfire, Bright Roar. Is that what you found? Bright Roar. Bright Roar. Yep. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Awesome. Uh, so Bright Roar, the ancestral sword of House Lannister, uh, which was lost on an exposition to Valeria. So there's that. Uh, Dark Sister, uh, which is a long, long sword of House Targaryen, um, held by Visenya Targaryen. Uh, and it says lost during the Blackfire Rebellion. So, so there's that. Um, there are more though. You've uh, that was just some of the Valyrian steel swords. Uh, let's see if we can find a- another list here. Well, uh, I mean, because we have right, there's, for example, so there's, Dawn. So there's right there's Dawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there was so. yeah there was a couple more I was gonna talk about. There's like the drag the dagger. Excuse me, that we know. You know, there's the 
the Valyrian steel yeah. dagger. Um, yeah, and then Blackfire and, and Dark Sister. And Dawn, yeah. Yeah, and, and honestly, never forget the most important sword of all, uh, Needle, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, that's true, too. Yeah, don't... <laughs> Don't discount needle. Actually, it may needle may be super important. We don't know. Yeah, you never know. So, um, but I don't know. My, some of my favorite, I like. I guess I mean my favorite is obviously Dawn. I think that's just super right. cool. You know that we that we have that uh, sword. But I always do. I did like the idea of of the core brace. You know, I like that they were uh, kind of had their own sword. I know there's more. I'm trying to find a bigger list here. I don't know if I can find it though. Right. Uh, I like but. the look of Dark Sister, just in like the wiki. I kind of, I kind of like the way. It, okay. I kind of like the way it looks more than I think I like the way Blackfire looks. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um. And then you know, there's like the, what is it, Lion's Tooth, which Jar- uh, Joffrey has, like it's thrown into the river, and then. Um, he has Heart Eater, I think, is one that is the next one he has that he makes Sansa kiss, and then he loses it during the Battle of the the Blackwater. Um, and then there's, like, Stannis' sword, which is the fake Lightbringer, but it's kind of ha- oh, has, yeah. has something yeah. going on with it to at least make it look interesting. Gotcha. And there's Robert's Warhammer. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, unfortunately, I wish there were kind of like a definitive, you know, like list of all the of all these swords and stuff like that. Uh, there's really just the wiki is kind of the best place to find it. Yeah, and I, I just clicked on swords in there, and there's, I think we've listed most of them, right. uh, or at least the ones that are are kind of popping up here. So if you guys know of more that we can add to the list, uh, love to talk about. Like, okay, here's one that we didn't mention. Uh, Red Rain is a Valyrian steel sword belonging to House Drum. Okay, you know, so let's let's there we go. Feast of Crows, Lord um, Lord uh, Dustin Drum draws and displays Red Rain during the King's Moot. <laughs> okay, I mean that's kind of cool. So and that's that's over in uh, uh, that's in the chapter that's in chapter nineteen of a Feast of Crows, uh, the Drowned Man. So, yeah. Okay. Just a weird. That's just a weird little, little weird little sword, sword. Yeah, you know, that's 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 all there is on the wiki about that, and that is that is that's it. So, uh, it's kind of funny. It's Valyrian steel though, which is mm-hmm. big deal actually. So, yeah, I'm trying huh. to see if there's if there's other ones kind of pulled up here. I'm not really seeing any anything specific here. Oh. Here we go. Uh, Nightfall is a Valyrian steel longsword belonging to House Harlaw. It's currently wielded by Sir uh, Sir Harris Harlaw. Um, okay. The sword has a moonstone pommel, so that's pretty okay. cool, right? So that is really neat. Dalton Greyjoy took Nightfall from a dead courser. Uh, it is also yet unknown how the sword passed to House Harlaw. So it's in a Feast of Crows, um, you know, chapter nineteen twenty nine, and it's also in a World of Ice and Fire, uh, the Iron Islands. So there's that. So wow, the Iron Islands has got a couple, you know, had some Valyrian steel there, didn't they? Yeah, which is interesting. Oh wow, go. okay, hold, orphan, on, hold on a second, orphan here. hold maker. on a second here, as yeah, 
Um, what happened? This is a so spake Martin from 2002. Okay. Okay. Uh, what happened to Sir Arthur Dane's sword, Dawn, after Ned brought it back to Ashara? Dawn remains at Starfall until another sword of the morning shall arise. Yeah. So Dawn, so Dawn is at Starfall. Is that like? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Uh... And, and 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 Edric Dane is going back to, to get Starfall. It. Yeah. yeah, he's going back to get it. I mean, that's what I keep thinking. I'm like, he is going back. He is Beric Dondarrion's squire, and he's been with the Brotherhood Without Banners, and I'm telling you, Lady Stoneheart has just you know, pissed him off. And right. so he's going to do what's right. He's going to go back. He's he's seasoned a little bit, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Super cool. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a couple other ones. If you guys want to go look them up, or- Orphan Maker, Valyrian Steel, House uh, Roxton, mm-hmm. you know, that's mentioned in A World of Ice and Fire, The Princess and the Queen. So, you know, I love that they have names, man. I love that they, they've got, like, names and they just kind of belong to these different families. You get some some background here. The Nightfall, though, that's a pretty sick sword. It's got a nice, nice picture. And, uh, yeah, it's got that Moonstone Pommel, which is really cool. Yeah. So... I don't know. Just I'm cool. I'm glad somebody sent that Raven in, that that Raven in because I I'm, I'm looking up all these stories right now and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, everyone, that is uh, that's our show for this week, Sir Ezra. Yep. Um, I guess yep. I should probably pull up a uh, some some lingo here. Do we do we have do we have another one? Do we have one? Uh, I I don't I don't have one. No. Um. No, you just swing it. Just wing it. All right. Um, I think we're reading Tyrion on Monday, so it's always re- important to uh, remember that a Lannister always pays their debts. 